Um, I want to go back to the book of Ephesians today and pick up where we left off. And I know that it's been a little while since I talked in Ephesians, so I'll recap all that we've learned and uh, kind of give an overview, and then we can dive into the text that we'll be discussing today. And uh, I want to center in on verses 5 and 6, but before I do that, I want to read verses 1 through 14. I think it'd be beneficial. So Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Yeshua, by the Almighty's will, to the saints and the believers in Christ Yeshua at Ephesus, grace to you and peace from the Almighty, our Father, and the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Blessed be the Almighty and the Father of our Lord, Yeshua the Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted through Christ for himself according to his favor and will to the praise of his glorious grace that he favored us within the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he planned in him for the administration of the days of fulfillment to bring everything together in the Messiah, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him we were also made his inheritance predestined according to the purpose of the one who works out everything in agreement with the decision of his will, so that we who had already put our hope in the Messiah might bring praise to his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in him when you believed, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He is the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the, of the possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. When we started to read this epistle months ago, I talked about how important it was to understand a few critical things in every writing or epistle that we read. It doesn't matter whether or not it's Paul's or the epistle of Peter or James. It it doesn't matter. And the three things that we need to know, and I I go over this a lot. Usually about every time I teach, I, I make a mention of this. Or maybe not every time I teach, but when I start a new book, I make a mention of this. There's three things that we need to know. Number one is who is writing. Who is the audience, number two, and the reason or the author's intent for the writing, number three. So just to recap, as we started chapter one, we found out that the author of Ephesians is Paul. Verse one says that Paul, an apostle of Christ by Yahweh's will. We went on to discuss the credentials of Paul and how he was a chosen vessel of our Lord to carry the gospel into the nations, to the kings, and to the sons of Israel. You can find that in Acts chapter nine, I think it's verse 15. We talked about the authority that he had and why he had that authority. And the reason that he had that authority is because he was chosen by Christ. We talked about how great his ministry was and how effective he was as Yeshua's servant. We discussed the fact that Yahweh had set Paul apart from the foundation of the world. And next, we needed to determine who the audience was that Paul was writing his letter to. And we found the answer to that in the end of verse 1 when Paul says, To the saints and the believers in the church at Ephesus. So it's written to the believers, like-minded in the faith, the truly sold-out believers, just like you and I. The people who have faith that Yeshua is the Son of Yahweh, that he lived a sinless life, that he died a wrongful death, and that he was raised victoriously to sit at the right hand 
of the Father. People who believe these things are the ones that Paul was writing his letter to. Now, someone might say, well, he's writing his letter to the church in Ephesus. But if you remember, we discussed that, how this letter was, was basically just a circulatory letter that was written to all the saints in its original format, what I mean. It was a circulatory letter. It wasn't just wrote to the church in Ephesus, but rather it was a circulatory letter written to all the saints in Asia Minor. It didn't include the word Ephesus in it in its original format. The first three original Greek manuscripts don't, don't include the word Ephesus. So rather it was wrote to the, all the, the churches in Asia Minor, and it was just wrote to the saints, those who believe in Christ. So when a group of people would receive the letter, it wouldn't be addressed to the church in Ephesus, but rather it would read like this, to the saints and the believers in Christ. And you could have put your name in there. You know, you could have inserted the church at Asia Minor, or the church of Corinth, or whatever it be, but nonetheless it was wrote to all of them. So that's who it's wrote to, the, the believers just like you and I. And lastly, I think, it was, I think it's important that we discover why the letter was written. The author's intent is always just as important because if we don't know the reason for the letter, we won't read it in the right light when we read it. This letter of Paul is somewhat different than some of his other letters, like Timothy. When he writes 1st, 2nd Timothy, he's kind of educating Timothy on how to, how to set the church up. He's telling him what to do, how to put people in place, things like that, how to select elders, how to select deacons, things like that. So that's his intent for writing the letter. However, in, in, the, in the book of 1 Corinthians, he's answering a series of questions. It's a lot different than Timothy, and it's definitely a lot different than the book of Ephesians. However, Ephesians was written as a letter of inspiration to the ones who already believed in the person of Christ, just like you and I. The undeniable love from Yahweh to his people is elaborated on in the first three chapters. His unbelievable riches are expounded upon all throughout this letter. His infinite wisdom is seen throughout the whole book and our inheritance because of Yahweh's unfailing love and his perfect plan and his son's selfless life is all revealed to us between the pages of this epistle. Paul practically explodes in this letter to encourage the church and reassure them of their inheritance in Christ because of Yahweh's love for his own children. Then the last time I taught, we went over three I think we went over verses 3 and 4 of Paul giving a benediction to Yahweh of how great he is and how he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Not material things, but spiritual things. That's what we've been blessed with from Yahweh. We discussed how we receive the spiritual blessings. We receive them by being in Christ. That's how we obtain spiritual blessings. The blessings that are bestowed on us are because we are covered in his son's righteousness. That's what being in Christ means. We reap an inheritance because he, Christ, has an inheritance. We receive heavenly gifts because He, Christ, has heavenly gifts. And we receive those because we are in Him. We are covered by His righteousness. And then last but not least, we talked about the predestinational aspect of it in verse 4 where it says that He, Yahweh, chose us in Him, Yeshua, before the foundation of the world. We talked about how our self-worth should be determined by who we are in Christ to Yahweh. Not who we are to the world or to, to our peers, not how other people see us. I want you to catch that. It's not, it doesn't matter that somebody else sees us as nobody. If we are chosen in Christ by Yahweh, then we're somebody. We're somebody. We don't need somebody to tell us how great we are. Yahweh has shown his face upon you, and you are destined to be glorified. Romans chapter 8, verses 29 through 30 says this. It says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he would be the firstborn among brothers 
And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Let me talk a little bit about that for a second. You might say, well, I don't believe in all that predestination stuff. You, you know, we might be having this conversation. That might be your take. You might say, well, I don't believe in all that predestination business. I'm more of a free will type of guy. And that's fine. That's fine. However, don't forget that Yahweh has a will too. You're not just the only one with a free will. He has one too. And while ours may be free, it's not near as free as his is. See, we can believe in man's free will and Yahweh's sovereignty at the same time. They don't have to contradict one another. We can believe that, we, that man has a will and that Yahweh has a will. You know, I've heard people say that I don't believe that Yahweh makes all the decisions. Well, I don't believe that Yahweh makes all the decisions either. But when it comes to election, I do. I believe he makes all those decisions. See, whether or not we admit it, we all believe in election or at least Yahweh's sovereignty. Think about when you pray. I want you to think about when you pray. The first thing you do when you pray, you, you're talking about your mother and your father or your loved ones or something like this, and you say, man, my, you think, Yahweh, Father, please hear my prayer. My loved ones are sick. They're dying, and I know that you can save them. I know that you're the only one that can pull them through this. I know that you're the only one that can bring them out of this. You recognize the sovereignty. You recognize that you don't have a chance to pull them out of this. You, you realize that we can take them to the doctor, but it's only Yahweh that controls the doctor's hands. And so we, so we recognize that. You recognize Yahweh's sovereignty, whether you realize it or not. Well, when it comes, it's the same thing with salvation. We don't speak to Yahweh and say, you know, Yahweh, I had so many choices that I could have picked. But because I'm a good man, I chose you, Yahweh. Because, because I wanted, I wanted to, to come hang out with you in your kingdom, I chose you. That's not the way we speak to Yahweh. That's utter foolishness. You don't, you don't talk to Yahweh that way. When we pray to Yahweh, we, we bow our head, we break our knees, we come with a contrite spirit, or contrite heart. We're, we're broken before Yahweh, and we say, Yahweh, please forgive me, a sinner. Please forgive me, a sinner. And the reason we do that is because we recognize the sovereignty of Yahweh. Not because we... We believe in our own free will because if we believe in our own free will, it's that easy. We just say, hey, I'm marching into the kingdom. But you don't believe you've got that much free will. Man has a will. He does have a will, and it is free. It's free to choose to do some of the things. When it comes to election, you don't have any say-so in that. And we talk about this verse right here. It says, before the foundation of the world, we were predestined. You can't possibly think that you had anything to do with your salvation prior to the foundation of the world, you weren't even there. So when he says, I predetermined you to be blameless in my son before the foundation of the world, you didn't have anything to do with it. I don't care what prayer you prayed or how great you were or how many commandments you keep, you didn't have anything to do with your salvation. It was already determined before the world began. We do exhibit our salvation. We do exhibit our salvation. Ephesians chapter 2 Verses 8 and 9, For by grace you are saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It's a gift to Yahweh. We exhibit our faith. But keep in mind, it's a gift of Yahweh. The faith, not only is the grace a gift of Yahweh, but also the faith is a gift of Yahweh. And we also talked about what it meant to be blameless in His sight last time I spoke. At the end of verse 4, we know that perfection 
can't come by our, our obedience to the law because none of us has been able to keep the law perfectly. So when he says that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, he's not talking about our works as a reason to be blameless, but rather our covering of his son. That's how he chose us to be blameless, not, not that you did anything good. He had chosen us to be blameless, and if that sense of blameless came by our deeds, then we would have been perfect law keepers from a long time ago because that's what he would have predetermined us to be. But that's not what he says. He says he chose us in him to be holy and blameless in his sight. In other words, in his sight, talking about Yahweh, in his sight means that when he looks at us, he doesn't see us. He sees his son because we are in him. So not by our works, but by his grace, we were chosen in Christ. We have been covered by the blood of Yeshua, and when Yahweh looks at us, we appear blameless because we have the righteousness of Christ applied to our account. When I speak of chosen or election in this letter that I'm reading now or the epistle that I'm talking about now, I am talking about the chosen or the election unto salvation. That's, that's what I'm talking about. However, there are, there are three different types of election. The first is that I want to talk about is, is theocratical election. Theocratical election is this is what Israel was. They were a theocracy. Okay? It, uh, it simply means that God rules. God was, God was their governor. He was their, he was their mighty one, and he ruled over the nation of Israel. Yahweh elected Israel as a nation. It wasn't nothing that Israel did, but nonetheless, they were his elected people. Um, if you got your Bibles and you don't mind turning, go to Deuteronomy chapter 7, and let's read verses 6 through 8. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6, it says, For you are, are a holy people belonging to Yahweh your Elohim. Yahweh your Elohim has chosen you to be his own possession out of all the peoples of the face of the earth. Yahweh has devoted to you and chose you not because you were more numerous than all the peoples of the earth, for you were the fewest of all the peoples of the earth. But because Yahweh loved you and kept the oath that he swore to your fathers, he brought you out with a strong hand. He redeemed you from the place of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Yahweh chose Israel. Now, because of anything they did, they were the fewest in, in number. They were a small people. They were not great. They definitely were not obedient. He just chose them because he wanted to choose them. For what reason? Does it matter? Yahweh says that he chose the nation of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 9 and verse 1, it says this. We're going to read through verse 6. It says, Listen, Israel, today you are about to cross the Jordan to go and drive out nations greater and stronger than you with large cities fortified to the heavens. The peoples are strong and tall, the descendants of, An of the Anakim. You know about them and you've heard it said about, about them. Who can stand up to the sons of Anakim? But understand that today Yahweh, your mighty one, will cross over ahead of you as a consuming fire. He will devastate and subdue them before you. You will drive them out and destroy them swiftly, as Yahweh has told you. When Yahweh, your mighty one, drives them out before you, do not say to yourself, Yahweh brought me into take possession of this land because of my righteousness. Instead, Yahweh will drive out these nations before you because of their wickedness. You are not going to take possession of the land because of your righteousness or your integrity. Instead, 
Yahweh, your mighty one, will drive out these nations before you because of their wickedness in order to keep the promise he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Understand, understand, let the reader understand this. Understand that Yahweh, your mighty one, is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. You are a stiff-necked people. This is Israel he's talking to. That's theocratical election. Yahweh chooses Israel. It's a theocracy. It's a nation of people. He chooses them. They're his people because he chose. That's one form of election. There's a second form of election. The second form of election is what I would call vocational election. Vocational election means that people were chosen throughout the scriptures to do many things or perform certain tasks. However, this does not have anything to do with salvational election, the same as the choosing of the theocracy. When, when Yahweh chose the nation of Israel, we know that all of Israel is not saved. Romans 9, all of Israel is not Israel. We know that they're not all saved in a sense of salvation election. The same way with vocational election. Many were chosen to do a job or to perform a task by Yahweh, righteous and unrighteous, and this does not prove their salvation either. Several examples. The Levites in Deuteronomy chapter 18, they were chosen by Yahweh to be the priest of his theocracy, so to speak. Okay, Pharaoh in Genesis was chosen to perform a task. I don't believe that Pharaoh had eternal life. Moses run him slap out of Egypt or you know, had him destroyed. Rahab in the book of Joshua was, was chosen to do a task. Whether or not she has salvation, that's not up to me, not up to you. We're just talking about vocational election here. Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, Yahweh calls him his servant. He chose Nebuchadnezzar to perform a task, and Nebuchadnezzar did just that. The twelve apostles and the gospels that were selected by Christ, eleven of them were good, and one of them was slain, killed himself, however you want to, however you want to say it. But he died nonetheless. I don't believe that he'll have salvation. In Luke chapter twenty-two, verse twenty-two, he says that which was going to happen to Christ has been predetermined and must be carried out. But and I'm and I'm I'm paraphrasing this, but woe be it to the one that betrayed him. We're talking about Judas here. He, was, he betrayed Christ. I don't believe that salvation belongs to Judah. Judas. I don't know whether or not it does or not, but I'm just, all I'm saying is just because somebody is elected to perform a task, Moses, Elijah, Samuel, all the prophets, they were elected to perform a task that does not mean that they have salvation. This is not what we're talking about here. And then there's salvational election. and That's what we're dealing with. In Ephesians chapter 1. This is the election by which all the saints will inherit salvation. This is the one that we're talking about today. The fact that we have been shown favor before the world was ever formed. I just wanted to show you. There is a type of an election that starts prior to the, to the world ever, ever being what it is. And so to continue on in verse 5. At the very end of verse 4. The last two words in the beginning of verse 5, it says this. It says, In love he predestined us to be adopted through Christ for himself according to his favor and will. I want to concentrate on the in love part here. We know that Yahweh first loved us. That's the reason that we loved him. First John chapter 4 and verse 19. It says, We love because he first loved us. So in that love, Yahweh had for us first he loved us so much first that even before the foundation of the world, he predestined us to be adopted through Christ. That's what it says at the end of verse 4 and verse 5. In love, he predestined us. 
Now that word love at the end of verse 4 could be translated as charity. It's the Greek word agape, and it means literally charity or benevolence. So it could read like this. In his charity, he predestined us. That's pretty strong. When we give to a charity to someone or some organization, it's not because they do anything. They're not, they're not worthy of a charity. It's something that we give. Not because we owe them anything. It's, it's because we have a desire to help somebody. We, we give charity. I'm reminded of a time back in 2001, I cut my hand off with a, with a miter saw when I was trimming a house. It's a true story. I'm not making this up. I really did. I stayed in the hospital for several weeks. I stayed in the hospital for about three weeks, having various surgeries and so on. And when I finally got out of the hospital, I underwent physical therapy for probably six months, I guess. Well, during this time, needless to say, I couldn't work. The bills were piling up, and the kids were hungry, and to say the least, I didn't, I didn't have a way to make any money. I didn't have any means of extra money to do anything with, and of course, as we all know, government aid is not actually government aid. You know, and they, they don't. The ones that are truly in need, they don't. Uh, they don't want to help. But that's okay because we shouldn't. I should have been. I should have belonged to a to a Yahweh fearing church. And if I'd have belonged to a Yahweh fearing church, I don't need the government. I've got brothers and sisters that would have took care of me, and I just I, w- I wasn't in that place. Yahweh hadn't brought me that far yet. But little did I know, there were some people who, who didn't really know me, but they knew my mom and dad. And they rode motorcycles with them and things like that. And, uh, and they wanted to help me. So all these people, out of the goodness of their heart, they got together and they took some of their things from their house and they, they created just this huge yard sale, uh, I think in a shopping center somewhere, where hundreds of people gathered together and put something that they had into this yard sale to raise money on my behalf. And it benefited me and my family greatly. They donated the money to me. I think they raised something like $1,000 or so, and they freely give it to me for the welfare of myself and my family. Brothers and sisters, that's charity. On a much greater scale, Yahweh has done the same thing here. Based on his charity and love for us, he bailed us out. And the way he did it was by predestinating us to be the adopted through Christ, and he did this according to his favor and his will. didn't have nothing to do with you or I. He did it according to his favor and his will. It's not because we've done anything good or that we're deserving at all, but only according to Yahweh's will because he loved us before the foundation of the world. Now, you may say, I don't like charity. I don't need charity. But believe you me, you need it in this case. If you don't think you need Yahweh's charity, I need to quit talking about Ephesians and we need to start teaching the law. Because if I can teach the law for a few minutes, you'll realize real quick that you're going to need some charity. You've got to have some grace because we are all, we've all fallen short of the glory of Yahweh. And we stand before him guilty and therefore we need his charity. We, we need him to choose us. And this is so cool to me because Yahweh's given us a glimpse of his plan. When you understand predestination, you can understand part of the creator's master plan, his blueprints, if you will. Think about this. Yahweh has what we would call, in the building world, a master set of plans. Now, in sets of plans, there are many pages with different sections that would explain various things, like um, in a set of building plans, like I would look at. You'll have elevation heights. uh, You're going to have grading plans. You're going to have a foundation plan, footing plan, structural plan, uh, roof plan. We've got plumbing.
plumbing plans, HVAC plans. We have all these pages, 300 pages or so in a set of drawings. When I price a job, that's what I got to look through is, you know, so all these pages, look through all these pages and figure out exactly what's in there. Okay. Well, each part of that plan is so important. We have to pay attention to it. And I think that Yahweh has a master plan also. And in his master plan, it's kind of the same type of thing. In his big group of plans, he's got a creation plan, a fall of man plan, a redemption plan, an inheritance plan, an eternal plan. He's got all these plans bound up in a big page, a big bunch of plans. Now, I don't, I don't support a lot of analogies. I just think this is a good one because I'm, I'm a builder. That's what I do, and I think that, I think that it, it lines up with the biblical mindset. And through the infallible word of Yahweh, through Paul right here in Ephesians, we're getting to see Yahweh's, a piece of Yahweh's master plan. We see the foreknowledge and the layout of how we fit into his plan to be purchased by his son before the earth was ever created. We get to see what he designed before it ever come to fruition. Now, unlike me with my plans, Yahweh is a master builder, and his plan will be followed to a T, and not one part of it, not one part of it will be changed. Yahweh even says, Elohim is not a man who lies or a son of man who changes his mind. Does he speak and not act, or does he make a promise and not fulfill this? Numbers chapter 23, he's talking to Balaam right there. He says, am I a man that changes my mind? No, the, the, the question is rhetorical. No, the answer is no. So Yahweh's plan is perfect, and it doesn't change, and he, follow, and he has followed his plan. For some reason, Yahweh had compassion on us and adopted us as children through his son. I guess I shouldn't say for some reason because the reason is given right there in verse 6. It's all for his glory. But we'll get to that in a second. What we need to know right now is that by his charity or love, he thought enough of us to include us in his family plan. And the way he did it was through adoption. Brothers and sisters, this is election at its finest. If anyone doesn't believe that Yahweh predetermines who will be in Christ, they would have to throw this verse out of the Bible. You're going to have to get rid of it. They've not looked at the master plans. Look, I want to show you something. Let me help you see this blueprint. If you have a pen and you don't mind writing in your Bible, I want you to make a couple notes in your Bible. I'm going to lay out, a, I'm going to lay out verses 3 through 14 for you and how these verses are broken up into three categories in the plan of Yahweh and how he has salvaged us from the wreckage and has given us the inheritance that is beyond comprehension. In verses 3 through 6, this is an illustration of the election, what we're discussing today. So take your pen and draw brackets around those verses, 3 through 6. Just put brackets out to the side of them if you don't mind writing in your Bible. And I want you to write beside that bracket the word election. Then verses 7 through 10 is Paul's explanation of our redemption that is, the work of Christ, that is the work of Christ and how Yahweh has redeemed us. The children of Yahweh, the us is the children of Yahweh, and he's redeemed us through his son. So make more brackets around verses 7 through 10. Make square brackets out there. And on the side of that, I want you to write redemption. Now verses 11 through 14, this is the good one. This is our inheritance. This is what we have gained by the perfect orchestration of the first two sections within this plan. So make some more brackets around verses 11 through 14 and write the word inheritance beside those brackets. Yahweh elected us as children in verses 3 through 6. 
He redeemed us in Christ in verses 7 through 10, and he gives us our inheritance in verses 11 through 14. This plan is so beautiful, it is so perfect, and it doesn't change. As we go through the rest of these verses in the future, I want you to contemplate on the election or the predestination of Yahweh and how magnificent that is. And I want you to think about the redemption of our sinful person and how costly that was. And last but not least, I want you to think about our inheritance in Christ and how precious that is and how undeserving we truly are. So now that we have the blueprint laid out in our Bible, let's go back to verses 5 and 6, and I'll pick that apart a little bit. I wanted to give you, I wanted to give you some insight. I think as, if we go through this, as we go through this teaching... If you'll keep that in your mind, I'm not trying to twist your mind in one certain way to see a certain thing. If you don't agree with it, hey, erase it out of your Bible and forget that I ever said it. Or if it doesn't line up with Scripture, scratch it out of your Bible and hope that I don't ever bring it up again. You don't have to rebuke me too bad. But nonetheless, if you if you look at those brackets and remember, election, redemption, inheritance. As you go down through there, when you read those verses, understand them in that light. I think it will open your eyes up to see a beautiful plan that Yahweh has orchestrated before the world has ever begun. So now that we have the blueprint laid out in the Bible, let's go back to verses 5 and 6. I'm going I'm to work on those a little bit. And verse 5 says this. It says, He has predetermined us to be adopted in Christ for Himself. Stop right there. What does that mean? What does it mean that He's predetermined us in Christ for himself. Well, it means just what it says. He has he has saved us for himself, for his possession. We are his possession. We have been brought we have been bought with a price for Yahweh for him to have. But for what reason? You might be thinking, why does he need me? Or furthermore, why would he even want me? Well, you're right in asking those questions because he doesn't need you and we are far too wretched to even come in contact with a holy, mighty one. However, at the end of verse 5, he explains the reason for why he does it. He says this, he says, according to his favor and his will. Isn't that awesome? Praise Yahweh for his blueprint here. He didn't have to ask anybody when he drew up the plans. He is the architect, and he did it all for love. The word we need to look at here is favor. What does favor mean? The Greek word is eudokia, and it simply means kindness, or delight, or good pleasure. It seems good to him. In some of your Bibles, it may say he did it in his good pleasure. In my Bible, I'm reading the HCSB, it says he did it in his favor. It was charity, brothers and sisters. Because of his kindness and good pleasure, he decided to adopt you, and he did it because it was his will. It was his choice. The word will comes from the Greek word thelema, and it means choice. Or decree. It was his decree that he did that. It was his choice that he decided to adopt you. You didn't have anything to do with it. It was his choice that he showed kindness to us and adopted us to be with him in his family. Think about an orphan. Their mother and their father, they've left him, they've died. Or maybe they're sitting in an orphanage waiting for someone to come along and adopt them. They don't belong to anyone except the system. They're lost. They have no inheritance. They have no one to claim and no one to love them. Well, we're all the same way. We're all lost without an inheritance. We have nobody to love us. We don't have anyone to call Abba. But by the grace and the good pleasure of Yahweh, He has shown us kindness. He has adopted us by His choice and made us part of His family. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? We're just orphans. 
You know that the book of Proverbs, I believe it is, says that Yahweh's the champion of the orphans. I quoted it when I taught in the book of James. It says he's the champions of the orphans and the widows. That's big stuff. Yahweh, Yahweh is the champion of the orphans. We were orphans. We were orphans. And Yahweh, we're not like Yeshua in the sense that we are lineage of Yahweh. We're not like that. We have to become sons of Yahweh by adoption. We're not of that lineage that Yeshua was. We don't have our, our heavenly fathers not directly Yahweh. And so we have to be adopted. I want you to think about this. If I go up to an, I think this is pretty neat, and I'm adding this in here, but if I go up to an orphanage and I see and I see a, a little child, a male child, let's say he's six months old, and I see him sitting in the window, and I say, I want to take that, take that young home. I'm going to give him my name, and I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to feed him, and I'm going to love him, and I'm going to care for him, and I'm going to teach him the things that I know. I'm going to share the gospel message with him. I'm going to raise that child up in a, in a Yahweh-fearing home. One of these days he's going to get older and I'm going to give him my business and, I'm going, and, and he's going to be great in my sight and I may even love him even more than my own children. I can do all that for that child. I take him home and I can do all that. I do all these things that raise him up. You know one thing I can't give him? I can't give him my nature and I can't give him my spirit. But Yahweh can. Yahweh can and he did. And that's what he does with us when he adopts us. He adopts us into his house. He fills us with his spirit. And he gives us his nature. And he causes us to, to desire to be just like our elder brother and to please him. That's what Yahweh does to us. And Yahweh can only do that. We can't do that. We can adopt anybody. Maybe people in here have adopted somebody. I don't know. I don't know. But, you, but all that you want to give that child, you can, you can try your best. You can try your best, but you can't give him that. You can't give him your nature. And you can't give him your spirit. But Yahweh can. And when he adopts us, that's what he does. Now, verse 6, it says, According to his favor and his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, that he favored us within the beloved. That was the Holman Christian Standard Version, which is what we normally read from here at church. But, uh, but I like the way the NASB puts it. The NASB, the NASB renders this verse. It says this, it says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on his beloved. Brothers and sisters, this is the gift that Yahweh freely gave to us who are in the Beloved. What is the Beloved? It's Christ. Christ is the Beloved. Now, I think verse 6 is Paul just coming undone right here. It seems to me like his doxology. This is Paul's praise to Yahweh. He has realized that he's chosen by Yahweh to be one of his adopted children, and he says, Praise be to his glorious grace that favored us. He has shown kindness to us according to his grace and included us in all that he has with his one and only son, the beloved. Paul's so excited, he just praises Yahweh. Notice he's, he says, according to his grace. In other words, he has so much grace that he had to save us. He had to, he just, it, was just, it was just running over. He had enough to save us. He has so much grace, it's like it never runs out. It doesn't need a refill. Paul's, Paul says it's glorious, it's magnificent. And praise be to the grace that he's favored us within the beloved. And that word beloved here, it's a reference to the Son. I said that. I mentioned that a minute ago. It's a reference to Christ. But the word beloved here is a reference to the Son. Remember when Yeshua was baptized, he says, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. That's Matthew 3.17. Or what about on the mountain in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 5? It says, When a bright cloud covered Peter, James, and John, and out of the cloud a voice said, This is my beloved Son. I take delight in Him. Listen to Him. So those who are within the beloved are those who are within Christ. When it says right here, 
He has favored us within the beloved. He has favored us within Christ. That's how we are favored within him. Of course, we know that the beloved is Yeshua because of the context also. We don't necessarily have to have to know about Matthew chapter 3 and Matthew chapter um, 17 to understand it. We can understand it by the context. When you go to verse 4, it says, He, that's Yahweh, chose us in him, Yeshua, and then just you just follow the pronouns from there on. And so in verse 5, it says, He, Yahweh, that's talking about Yahweh, predestined us, which we are the saints, to be adopted through Christ, once again we're talking about Yeshua, for himself, that's Yahweh, according to his, that's Yahweh's favor and his will. And if you follow the context, all these pronouns work perfectly. Verse 6 says this, To the praise of his, that's talking about Yahweh, glorious grace that he, once again that's Yahweh, favored us, the saints, within the beloved, and that's Yeshua. It's simple. The context should always be our help in understanding the passage. But isn't it great? Isn't it great? Yahweh loved us so much that before the world was formed, before the foundation was laid, that he already had the blueprint, he already had a plan, and we were part of it, brothers and sisters. If you are in Christ today, you were part of it. Before the world ever began, you existed in eternity past. You existed in eternity past. I was part of the plan. You were part of the plan. All Yahweh's children were part of the plan. That's what uh, Barney would have said. He said, oh, Yahweh's children got a uvula. <laughs> I was considered in Yahweh's thoughts. He loved me enough to adopt me when I was alone and in despair when there was no hope left for me. He found it in his heart to choose me, to favor me, to bring me from the loneliest depths that I was in in, to be in his family, to eat at his table, to share in his kingdom. Me, just a nobody, just a nobody. I'm a a contractor. I'm a nobody. Matthew, you're a septic man. Frankie, you're a septic man. You're nobody. Jeff, you're a block mason. Danny, you're a drywall man. You're nobody. You're nobody here. But you are everything to him. You're everything in his son. I don't have to be anything here. I'm everything somewhere else. Before eternity passed, he decided all that stuff. He adopted us in so that we could share in his son's inheritance. Not our inheritance. We didn't inherit that stuff. We didn't do anything to inherit it. We're not really even his sons unless he adopts us in. But his son inherits and therefore inherits it, and therefore we're joint heirs. That means we are joint heirs. Heirs to everything that he had. Whatever Christ has, we have. When he looks at you, Ron, he sees his son, he don't see you. He don't see you in all your filth. He looks at me, he doesn't see me in all my filth. He looks at me, all he sees is Christ. That's all he sees. It's like Christ just took his robe off, draped it over me, painted my face just like him, set me in front of the Father, and he said, here, that's him. That's him. He don't see me. If he's seen me, whoa, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. You know, I don't want him to see me. It's a good thing that Yahweh don't bring us halfway. What if Yahweh said, all right, I'll get you started, bring you 50% of the way, and I'm going to stop, and it's up to you to make it the rest of the way. You know, then we could take some kind of credit in our salvation. But I promise you, wouldn't none of us make it? Wouldn't none of us make it? We don't get any credit in our salvation. It's all Him. That's the reason all the glory belongs to Him, because all the salvation belongs to Him. You didn't start it. You didn't finish it. You're only the product of what He's done for you. That's it. Anything that you bring forth or put put forward out of yourself 
is simply because he had grace on your life and you are manifesting that which he gives to you. That's it. That's it. And all of it is only for his glory. Brothers and sisters, the only reason anything ever exists, the reason for absolutely everything under the sun is for Yahweh's glory. The reason Yahweh chose us, the reason he predestined everything, the reason he preordained everything, the reason for his blueprint, the plan, the foundation of the world, is so all the glory will be his and his alone. Not of man, but of Yahweh alone. So tonight, we have covered the predestination of our adoption and our election. And the next time I teach, I want to talk about the redemption and how Yahweh fulfills his plan through the life of his son. And then the following time after that, we want to study the inheritance that belongs to us because of the infallible, absolutely perfect, unchanging, predestined, blueprint plan of Yahweh. That's what I want to talk about. Brothers, I'm thankful, thankful, thankful that Yahweh, Yahweh chose me. I love you guys. Let's close. Yahweh, Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we are absolutely nothing. Father, because you're so great, you're so wonderful, you're so majestic, Father, because you're all that, and we are nothing, please hear our plea. Please hear our plea. Father, we come before you as broken sinners in need of grace, Father, in need of your love and your kindness, Father. Just please, please show it to us. Father, we love you so much. We give you praise today for your only begotten Son. And Father, I thank you for helping me through this sermon. And Father, I thank you for the people that are here that, are, that have devoted their time to come to your assembly on your set-apart days to listen to your word. Father, I pray that you bless them on their way home. Keep them safe and bring us back next week, Father, to hear more of your word. We love you and we thank you for all that you've done through your Son, whom we are joint heirs with. In his name we pray. Amen.